Here is part two of my interview with Martin Vandermerva. Well, that's a great overview of the challenges. So in what areas does Emerson help the industry overcome these challenges? And how does our technologies and solutions fit into the hydrogen value chain? Well, you know, Jim, Jim, I think it's worth mentioning, uh, first off, that, you know, hydrogen production and storage is is not necessarily new to us. Uh, As mentioned before, hydrogen is currently primarily consumed in in refining and and chemical processes. But, uh, you know, of these industries, both of these industries actually um, uh, are significant users of Emerson's technology. Um, our solutions and our expertise uh, are used by, by these industries every day. Uh, in fact, uh, we support hydrogen production through electrolysis at over 100 sites today with more than 180,000 measurement data points. And, and yes, the volume of hydrogen generated in the market by electrolysis is insignificant today, but it's just a matter of scale. And uh, you know, with scale, of course, there's cost reduction benefits, but but there are some challenges when you scale up. On top of that, you know, we help to address challenges in hydrogen with our uh, Emerson greening by and greening with philosophy. With greening by Emerson, we, we look to support and enable our customers' hydrogen ambitions with Emerson solutions, technologies, and expertise. But we also have been involved in many of the early low carbon hydrogen pilot projects across Asia, as mentioned before, like ATCO and other recent projects. Uh, For example, the one here in Melbourne, uh, we partnered with Toyota on their hydrogen demonstration plant, uh, which was a project that demonstrates the entire green hydrogen value chain from renewable solar power, battery energy storage, water treatment, uh, production, of course, uh, hydrogen storage and the hydrogen refueling station. And uh, these pilots are critical to support the tremendous amount of research and development being done to improve the efficiency and cost across the hydrogen value chain. This is where we focus uh, on uh, with the greening with Emerson part. Uh, This greening with is where we engage with external stakeholders to provide industry leadership, um, develop innovative solutions uh, and work with universities and research centers as well as uh, supporting future work in in policies and regulations and and safety uh, requirements. In particular for Asia, we have partnered with bodies uh, such as the Australian Hydrogen Council, Korea's Hydrogen Industry Association, the Clean Fuels and Ammonia Association in Japan, and several others in the region. You know, we, we currently support research in these fields, uh, including analytics, process modeling, digital twins across the value chain, solutions for hydrogen safety in transportation and storage, um, and also supporting the, uh, that transportation and storage, whether it's compressed or liquid hydrogen, uh, and, and improvements in electrolyzer efficiency uh, and technologies associated with that and then supporting the end users in developing their applications and use uh, of hydrogen, especially uh, where they have uh, energy intensive and hard to abate processes. Well, Martin, I love that example of the Toyota Pilot because it sounds like 
a great pilot that showcases a large part of the value chain. Can you elaborate on what Emerson technologies were specifically used? Sure. Yeah, it's a very good example, Jim. Uh, and actually, it was great to have them participate in our Asian uh, Emerson exchange uh, late last year as well. As mentioned, the project covered the entire value chain from renewable solar, battery power system, fuel cell power generation, hydrogen production from an electrolyzer, hydrogen storage and distribution, and the hydrogen refueling station. Uh, as with many hydrogen projects, it consisted of several packages. And Toyota's objective was to easily integrate all these packages with a balance of plant uh, instrumentation and control and safety system. Uh, that was fit for purpose. Uh, in other words, you know, not having to overinvest, uh, but also um, having the flexibility to expand and adapt yeah, as needed. Because these projects tend to, as being a pilot, tends to um, add some some un unknowns in the mix when you when you start to uh, to roll it out. So Emerson was selected as uh, the automation partner on the project um, since we could achieve these objectives using our Delta V integrated control and safety system, which allowed for easy integration of these packages across multiple communication protocols, uh, including Profinet, Modbus, Ethernet IP, and all of this on a, on a single package controller, PK controller. The solar array and battery energy storage system was one of those, you know, what we call it a surprise, um, uh, but it, it required a web hosted API to interface to the control system. And to enable this, uh, we were able to uh, use our secure state of the art um, edge device. And uh, yeah, that, that proved to be uh, quite successful. We also consulted on and delivered a suite of hydrogen specific instrumentation, including pressure, temperature, metering, uh, and flame and gas detection. Uh, the flame and gas detectors were particularly important. You know, hydrogen flames are nearly invisible in daylight and has a, a low heat radiation. So it's critical to have that, that instrumentation uh, there and uh, have them accurate. Um, so I would encourage your listeners to, um, to go to the on-demand webinar of, uh, of the uh, exchange uh, discussion that Toyota did. I'm sure you'll share that link on your blog later. Uh, you know, while Toyota covers most of the value chain, there are also several other projects in the region that covers uh, other elements like hydrogen blending uh, in India and Australia. Uh, I mentioned ATCO as that example before, and also large scale fuel cell power generation and hydrogen refueling stations uh, in Korea, Japan and China. So, you know, we certainly are kept very busy, Jim, with the, all the projects that's on the horizon um, and because we, we interact across the whole value chain. And you're definitely right. I'm going to be putting links throughout our transcript to some of these different ones you've mentioned for our listeners that want to go in and learn more. So those are all great examples of Emerson's breadth in its portfolio of hydrogen applications. But Martin, were there any lessons or differences that would be applicable to larger scale projects? That's a great question, Jim. And, and yes, you know, it's one thing building a pilot or demonstration plant, uh, but scaling it up to uh, a large, larger deployment uh, presents both opportunities and, and challenges. 
Yeah, we are actually currently supporting feasibility and, and front-end engineering design activities for several large-scale projects in the Asia-Pacific region. So, uh, you know, we've, we've seen a few things and, and brought a few learnings um, to those projects. Uh, in terms of opportunities, the obvious one is cost saving uh, through the duplication of process units um, like uh, the electrolyzer stack design and so on, uh, as well as engineering and, and maintenance efficiencies. Some of the lessons from the gas industry uh, that we've sort of brought over uh, that are particularly well suited to hydrogen would be to implement a, a remote or integrated operation center. Having the operation centralized uh, allows not only for cost savings, but it enables the effective use of, of data-driven decision-making using you know, your cross-functional teams or vendors, partners, and they are, if they all aided with um, advanced analytics and modeling, that's of course so much more efficient and uh, a trend that we see um, continuing to, to grow. For example, identifying the optimal economic dispatch of your distributed energy resources in wind farms and solar arrays, or you might want to uh, optimize your electrolyzer loads to minimize membrane or diaphragm replacements. In the case of large scale hydrogen refueler networks, you again may want to optimize your hydrogen distribution across the network um, based on demand forecast and planned maintenance routes um, based on predictive analytics. Um, and Emerson has these technologies uh, today that uh, support the building of these uh, operational uh, operational centers through the digital twins and process and economic optimizers uh, that can support that design and implementation uh, of the project early, uh, actually before the project is actually being built. Uh, and that, uh, that same model and tools and optimizers can then be used on an ongoing basis uh, once the facility is in operation to support that decision-making. Uh, many large-scale projects are phased, is the other, the other trend we see. So the rollout is phased, again, to align with demand. You know, we know that the hydrogen demand will uh, increase and ratchet up over time. So there's no point in building a, a gigawatt straight up uh, because you know, you'd be supplying too much hydrogen into the market today. So again, uh, with this phased approach, there's opportunity to optimize the design scope that provides uh, flexibility to integrate and install new units over time while minimizing the impact and process balance of the existing running equipment. Uh, we see many hydrogen projects typically starting with just large scale renewables that they would initially just dispatch into the grid uh, while the hydrogen production plant is then being built and scaled up uh, later uh, as offtake and supply contracts are agreed. That this phased approach can present some challenges uh, as technology is progressing and development continues. For example, right now, um, you know, alkaline electrolyzers is cheaper than proton exchange membrane or PEM electrolyzers. But in the next decade, uh, it's expected to reach cost parity, at which point you might want to switch to a more efficient PEM uh, electrolyzer. But this would happen now after you've built your balance of plant on um, alkaline electrolyzer technology. So, you know, in your design, you, you should consider how you can manage these different operating parameters of, of the two electrolyzers. And that's just a small example. Of course, there's water treatment, there's many other elements um, 
that that, uh, that provides variability in that in that design. So a phased a phased large scale project um, may also need to consider changes in the market requirements. You know, you may initially only produce hydrogen to supply a local hub, for example, um, or a pipeline network. But in later phases, uh, as you develop capacity, um, you might want to move to an export model. Uh, in that case, how do you plan to export that? You, uh, do you export that as ammonia or compressed hydrogen or liquid hydrogen or all of the above? So you know, ultimately, um, many of these feasibility studies for large-scale projects now are looking to evaluate or simulate many of these scenarios, both economically and uh, process-wise. So, uh, you know, their the aim is to keep the design as flexible as possible without adding excessive cost. In my mind, having a digital twin uh, of the assets to support the evaluation and optimize the different designs and scenarios would be a great way to build confidence uh, in feasibility and flexibility of a project today. So I would say that's, um, yeah, that's some of the, the solutions that we provide today and uh, uh, to overcome those challenges when we scale up into, into larger projects. Yeah, that is interesting, that challenge of trying to figure out that growth and demand and being flexible enough and having a mindset for a phased approach to be able to meet that. And yeah, it sounds like the simulations in the digital twin technology can really go a long way in helping some of that. So you mentioned the challenges of evolving technologies. How do you see Emerson adapting and innovating to address some of these challenges? <laughs> Luckily, Jim, uh, innovation is at the heart of Emerson's purpose, and uh, we continue to invest in R&D and partner with research bodies to ensure we can support our customers uh, as the processes and operations technology advance in hydrogen. We have a strong track record with our investment to support the development of severe service valves for cryogenic liquid hydrogen applications, as well as our micromotion Coriolis flow meters designed for high pressure, high flow hydrogen dispensing that improves refueling times for heavy duty freight applications. So we have many of these examples. Uh, yeah, I believe not only will it be important for customers in the hydrogen industry to leverage any new technology uh, and solution, but also to ensure that the equipment and the technology that they select are robust, uh, reliable, and, and fit for purpose. Uh, you know, the industry will be very competitive very quickly and uh, reputation uh, will play a key role for the future of the success of any business in, in the hydrogen industry, I believe. So, you know, while talking about innovation and evolution of the technology, uh, you know, I think it's also important to consider the impact that regulations and standards will have in this regard. This is also why Emerson uh, have representatives that participate in standards developments uh, and to ensure that we're aware and prepared for regulation changes as they progress, uh, particularly across the Asia-Pacific region. Well, Martin, it's been a great discussion and I hope our listeners enjoyed it as well. Before we wrap things up, 
Where can our listeners go to learn more and how can they connect with us on any specific questions that they might have? Well, Jim, I would say, you know, a great place to start is our sustainability and decarbonization webpage. Through that, uh, your listeners can find out more about our sustainability initiatives, um, our solutions, keep up to date with the new technology that we roll out and, and new solutions in the space. Um, so that would be a great start. Um, they can also reach out to us um, uh, through the, uh, the podcast series. Jim, I believe you're sharing the contact details of uh, our Emerson Sustainability Decarbonization representatives for each of the countries here in Asia Pacific. Um, so yeah, so feel free to connect with them uh, if you have any queries or, or need assistance. Yep, that uh, page is fresh off the press, so that's perfect. I'll uh, add links in the transcript that we have uh, to these sites as well as other things throughout the course of our discussion. So Martin, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and sharing some of your insights on the future of hydrogen across the Asia-Pacific region. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Jim, for having me on. It's been great. Well, thank you. For our listeners, this was the second in a series of our Asia-Pacific Sustainability and Decarbonization podcast. Do follow our page for details for the next podcast, where we will cover specific segments such as renewable energy, carbon capture, and more in greater detail with our subject matter experts from Asia Pacific.